let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening and welcome back to the Football Babble. Phil here, I have returned to the Monday show after the debacle that, that two of you that are on tonight with me, get up to last week. I had to come back and try and restore some order. Um, I'm joined with by Stephen and Brenton. Hello, lads. Good evening. Good evening. It's a uh, uh, l- like the word debacle. Nice one. Uh, it's nice to own that. Um, Paddy and and Johnny are 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 missing in action this week. Uh, they've been they've been dropped basically for their bad behaviour and their ill discipline. So they're not going on this European away trip, and they've been left behind at the club to to think about what they've been at. Um, we're going to get into a few things this week, obviously, at the weekend. There's probably, unfortunately for all of us, it was a really good weekend for Man City. Could be, I saw someone, Grace Robertson was tweeting about it um, on Twitter. She's brilliant, by the way, if you come across some of her stuff. She was saying that this could be the week that uh, not people will take that much notice to it, but you could look back and say maybe this is the point that thing, the league or the title turn for Man City because the way the results went, they got themselves back into it with a good result at Stamford Bridge and we'll talk about that. Liverpool um, uh, came up against an unbelievable Brentford in a brilliant game, drawing three all. Possibly Brentford could have won it towards the end as well, and Liverpool possibly could have a penalty to win it towards the end, plus a host of chances. A great game all round. Ivan Tony was superb up against Virgil van Dijk. I say that on the Thursday show on TNB that he was a worry and he didn't disappoint. He was unbelievable against Van Dijk. Uh, we have the the penalty, the missed penalty that we'll travel again to with Steve and Fernandez and that apology. Plus Brighton could go top tonight. Plus a whole host of things to get into in this weekend. There was a North London derby. We wouldn't do that in Johnny and not talk about it. We will have to talk about it and I'm sure he will cover it on TNB. But Brendan and Stephen, the weekend didn't go so well for all three of us, sure didn't um, but it kind of did, I think, for Manchester United fans who don't like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because I think that, <laughs> um, it's speeding up the inevitable. Uh, there's no excuses now. You can't have a squad of that quality and turn in. the like. And I said it last week, literally every game they've played this season, they've played at that level with the exception of the Leeds game. And they've won a few of them just by pure force of talent. But there's no coaching involved in any of it. There's no, there's no system. There's no anything that you can kind of put your finger to and go, look, at least there's something there to hold on to. Like with the, the quality of players that they have at their disposal, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for losing at home to Aston Villa, who were playing a system that they only played for the first time the week before. Um, so it should have been there right for like the taking and really like the, the penalty at the end, I think would have been completely unfair on Villa because I felt like they, they absolutely deserved to win that game. So like from a, from a wanting Southscare gone and actually and a proper real adult coach in, um, it was good. Obviously from a, the highs of thinking that actually United might be in a title race this season, it's a long way down. But um yeah, not 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 fun. What well, three defeats in the last four games, Stephen, I know we everybody knows on the podcast your thoughts on the manager and, and you sort of touched on it there, what's been going on. Was this such an indication of I, I, someone? Someone labelled this team the Galacticos, and I didn't mean it as in like they've signed massive world stars that 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 obviously that Real Madrid team had. But I think they meant it in the case of like they were such a team on in, just on individuality. And these last three results have sort of stunk like that for this Manchester United side. Yeah, they just lack. 
they just lack any sort of vision and any sort. There doesn't seem to be a system there. Like, if they come up against any sort of defensive team, that's it. They're done. Like that's why I said to you. I said it. Like I don't know whether it was last week or before. Like I wasn't worried about playing Chelsea. I wasn't worried about playing City or Liverpool. It's these games that there's like. You can't try and beat Aston Villa on the counter attack at home. Like, it's not a way to approach football games. Um, and it's just, you have all, like, we're, because of Ronaldo, because of the problem that he brings in in terms of what type of player he is, he doesn't suit the way you would think United should set up. Um, the likes of, like, Greenwood, uh, Mason Greenwood, like he, to me, felt like he was going to, this was going to be like a really key season for him. And he's kind of been shifted out of position. I think he's, he feels like a natural number nine and he's kind of been shifted out of that, um, to make way for Ronaldo. And they're like, I don't know if it's real or not, but there was a, an Emmy Martinez quote where he compared himself to Ronaldo. Uh, this is the asking for the goalkeeper because he said they both just stand in the box waiting for the ball to come to them, and like it's it's fairly yeah, like it, it's, if it's a real quote, it's not only funny, it's also true. Um, so like that that's part of it, um, and I think the other part is just like they kept losing possession. I think they're they're not holding. They're, they're bypassing the, the midfield. The, the way the, the way, theoretically, the way they're set up, that ball, the ball out of actually coming through the likes of McTominay and whatever. Um, but they seem to, like, with Ronaldo up there now, they seem to be bypassing the midfield an awful lot. And I think, like, I think, I thought, did I see a stat that the past success rate was something like, uh, 70% or something like that that's shockingly bad like that's really really poor um, for a team that's supposed to be filled with footballers who are comfortable in possession so like I'm not to not to take away from Aston Villa because I thought that Aston Villa played quite well and as I said it was a system that they're they're not overly familiar with playing but United were the culprits of their own downfall and there's it's just so little like there's so little positives to take from it. I think that's the hardest part. Like, there's, there's, there's really, like, it's very difficult to point to a player or a passage of play and go, okay, more of that. Um, other than, like, let Mike Dean referee every Manchester United game. Like, that's about it, I think, in terms of positives from the game. Would that not have been the game you put Pogba in the centre midfield instead of, I think Ken Early's labels them McFred instead of McFred and McTomney. Is that not is like is that not the game? One of the games you go. Well, I'm going to try this now. I want to see this again. I'm going to put Paul Pop in centre midfield again. Uh, uh, Martial or Green Greenwood or or well, Martial. Yeah, Martial wingers. Yeah, Martial might as well not be at the club, like for all these. Yeah, but like w- w- he that would still be a, a better option than going McFred against Aston Villa. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, there is no excuse for playing that defensive a midfield against any of these teams, against any teams that aren't Liverpool, Leeds, Brentford. That's about it. Like, that's really it. Like, um, because, like, what, if, if Pogba, if he wants Pogba to be that player, he can't just play him in that position in like one or two games out of six. Like it needs he needs to consistently play that role and, and use him almost as like that like quarterback in the midfield or whatever, like, you know? Um but yeah, it's it's the fear of failure. He just he's so afraid of losing. He's he coach he doesn't coach to win. He tries to coach not to lose. And like, you know, I mentioned it like the week before, it was like bringing Matic on at one all with like 10 minutes, five minutes to go when you need a winner. But he's thinking, all right, we don't want to lose this game. It's, that's his mentality. And it just is, it's, it's depressing. Like it's, like it, it would put me off like actually sitting down and watching them sometimes. It really would because it, 
feels just so inevitable that like they'll get up for the big games, they'll beat the big teams, they'll keep themselves in the hunt for European football that way. But they play Aston Villa or they play Everton or they play West Ham or Newcastle or whoever. Young like, boys. What? Young, Young boys, boys, yeah. And it's a struggle. It's it's just an unnecessary struggle. It's playing down to the level of teams that they should be absolutely blown away. Um, and again, like, look, Aston Villa might have a decent season this year, but they sold by far and away their best player. Um, and should have been there for the take. That should have been the comfortable three points, not even have to think about it and just march on to the next game. Because that's the way Liverpool approach games like that. That's the way Chelsea approach games with Aston Villa and teams like that. But you know, you go in and Solskjaer's first thought is, okay, I'm going to set myself up not to lose this. And if we can snatch a winner, great. And it's just, it's no way to coach or play football. Um, see. So- you, you hear a lot as well, Steve, that from from some United fans, this has been you know the the best that they've had it since since Fergie's gone. I would, in terms of playing caliber, yeah, hundred percent. The squad is quite a good squad now, but you would then you would argue against that it 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 really isn't that great because of who's still at, at the helm. Yeah, like you you. You you picture that Manchester United squad with someone like Thomas Frank as the coach. They are not just Premier League title contenders. They're European Cup title contenders. Do you know what I mean? Like someone who knows what they're actually doing. With Tuchel in charge. Like, I mean, it's oh, just... Oh, here he's, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the difference yeah. when, when you actually have a coach who knows how to coach. And right, fair enough. He, I think Tuchel got it wrong against City this week with the way he set up. That's a, that's a conversation we'll get into later on. But in general, he is a coach that looks for ways to win games. And is and I, I don't mean to keep harking on about this, but this is the difference between good coaches and bad coaches. The good ones are trying to win every game. The bad ones are constantly in a battle not to lose. And if that mentality sleeps down into players as well. Um, and like silly, silly mistake, even for the goal, like what they, like what's he doing? Like, I just don't understand. You know, it's different if someone is standing right on top of him, but he's literally reaching out to push him away. Um, so uh, there's just, it's very hard. And I, I, I'm so sorry to the Manchester United fans listening to this who I've just sent into a spiral of depression, but that's what, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's how it, it's not enjoyable to watch them. It's only enjoyable to watch them in the bigger games against bigger teams because you know they'll try and do something special. But it's like, it's like he treats every single game like it's Turin in 1999. Like every single big game, sorry, like it's Turin in 1999. Like it's the most important game he ever played. And then every other game is just a battle to bore the other team to death. We have to talk about. Uh, Yes. I think, you know, I think we, was it last week or the week before we spoke about how he, he'd had a few good games and, um, I think he took a bit of a big step backwards. I think the the I don't know what it is the relationship or the communication between specifically Maguire and De Gea can be very muddly at times. There's there's an element of Harry Maguire talks to David De Gea like he would a waiter on his holidays where he speaks just louder and slower because he thinks that De Gea doesn't understand him. There's just a lack of... <laughs> just a massive... I probably shouldn't talk about Harry Maguire on his holidays, to be honest. But, no, uh, I, I didn't yeah, know where you were going. I was, I was wondering where you were going with that analogy. No, no, no. But, like, it, 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 there's just no trust there. And, like, if you don't have a trust between your centre-half your captain and your goalkeeper, then you're in big trouble. And there's a lot of times, you see it with Luke Shaw a bit too, like that, instead of waiting for the shout from De Gea, he just, play, you know, clears the ball, hoops it out for a corner or whatever like that. And there's a lot of that. Um, and I would have thought that like, you know, given the way De Gea had actually started the season, which was, was okay. Like he'd shown like a decent bit of form you know, um, in the earlier games, 
that that trust would build up, but it just doesn't seem to be there. And you're right, like it, it's just really hard to kind of run a, a back four with a keeper if if that trust isn't there. So I don't know if it's a if it's just Harry McGuire. Like I mean, this is a guy who plays for England with Jordan Pickford behind him. Surely anyone's a fucking upgrade on that, like you know, <laughs> uh, in terms of trust levels. But it doesn't seem to be there. And I wonder is it because he's always. You know, he obviously came from, from Leicester where he had Schmeichel behind him who was, you know, he would have seen as reliable or whatever. So I don't know what it is, but it's, it's something that needs fixing. You're definitely right. Steve, talk about the penalty. And not so much the penalty, but the apology afterwards. What did you make of, um, what did you say it was like earlier in the WhatsApp group? Oh, it was only 20 words shorter than the Gettysburg Address, one of the most famous speeches of all time. Like, um, <laughs> Like you were actually alive, the Gettysburg Address. Too, I was, yeah, I am. Like, I am that old. Um, <laughs> I I just think, like, do you know what it is? It's a massive distraction from all the other nonsense that you know. That it, it, for United, for Solskjaer in particular, it's brilliant that this is what to focus on is on Fernandez's apology. But for me, it's it just shows how much Ronaldo is in his head over the penalties, like. Uh, it, like Bruno Fernandes, how many penalties has he missed for United before that? Was it two out of like twenty odd or whatever? Like he's a very, very good penalty taker. But Martin has got in his head, the crowd got in his head, and Ronaldo breathing over his shoulder got into his head. Like, and the fact he feels like he needs to come out and apologise, like it's a late September Premier League game against Aston Villa. Sure, it's a disappointing like you know, dropped points. That game is not going to decide the title. It's not like it was a Champions League semi-final or something like that, you know? Like, I don't get the apology. And all it serves to do is distract from how poor a coaching performance it was from Solskjaer on Saturday. I don't think a player should ever apologise for missing a penalty. I don't think a player should apologise for No, unless they... The remember last last season um, was it Lukman tried to do a Palenka and and messed it up. That there you come out and say look, I was an idiot. Apologize for that. But anything else, unless you like wreck someone and and heat of the moment stupid tackle, apologize for that. But missing a penalty or missing a chance or or even Lingard against young boys making a mistake and then them scoring. So what, like, yeah. you know, and, and, but part of this, I, I think it's, it's daft, but part of this is because of the, the, the current world we live in where social media is full of utter, um, glue bags and the players obviously feel that they have to come out and do this because of the abuse they're, they're possibly going to get. Yeah, like that's, that's part of it. It's absolutely part of it. But I do think, like, you can apologise to your teammates. You can go into the dressing room after Yeah, go in. Oh, I fucked I'm up. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You don't need to apologise to fucking Stratford End 568910 on Twitter. Like, like what, what's the point of that? Like, you know, um, like I, I just don't, as I said, other than being a welcome distraction for Solskjaer, I don't understand what to do. And like the, the, like, look, all football teams' social media accounts are pathetic, but the behaviour of the United social media team, like, over the last couple of days has been particularly, like, nobody died here. Like, nobody's saving the world. Yeah, it's, just, it's been really cringe. I can imagine you yeah. would have not took that too well. <laughs> like, and there's a reason I don't follow them on any social media. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't be dealing with nonsense like that. Like, But, yeah, like, look, Fernandez. Fernandez is a quality player, but the, the Ronaldo thing is absolutely in his head. There's no denying it. Like, do you think Ronaldo will be in the penalties now? No, I think they'll give him one more. Um, but I think he'll miss it, and then I think Ronaldo will be in the penalties. <laughs> I think Ronaldo probably could have done a bit more to um, sort of reassure him. I think. Um, there's no doubt that behind the scenes, Ronaldo's putting pressure on to take the penalties. Like, just because that's, uh, you know, and that's how he's got as many goals as he's got in his career, but just because he's, he's super, um, hungry for goals. Like, you know, whether you see it as selfish or whatever, um, he, he, you're right, he was breathing, breathing over the top of him, um, and, 
Martinez, I mean, for gamesmanship, it was it was absolutely superb what he did. He really, really got in Fernandez's head. Um, but the, the, you know, the apology, I, I completely agree. It's, you know, you would never. Messi's missed massive penalties in the Champions League. Ronaldo was missed his very fair share of penalties. Yeah. You, you would never see those boys coming out and apologising. And I don't know who's advising Fernandez on that. Whether it was just something he did off his own back, or um, whether it was his agent or whatever, I don't know. But he made sure to say in the statement that I, you know, I've taken the responsibility on, and I will continue to take it on. So it's almost like he wants to reassure himself, like I'm still the United penalty taker, like, uh, and you know, nobody's nobody's going to take it off me. You shouldn't. There's to be honest, there's enough pressure on penalties without that looming over you at, at all times. And I think you're right. I think it'll probably eventually weigh on his shoulders too much and, and go to Ronaldo in the end because it seems inevitable. Um, yeah. But yeah, that it, it's it's a very... I know you could, if he scored it, you could look back and be like, right, we got out of there with a the draw. But it really distracts from from the performance, which was very poor at home. Um, yeah. as well which I don't think we've we've talked yeah. about um, and I've been to um, Old Trafford when it's been toxic um, and when the fans aren't happy they will let you know mm. um, uh, you know uh, it's attack 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 is I think what they shout out um, and the only oh, real team <laughs> doing the proper attacking was Aston Villa I mean there was one stage I think Maguire had gone off injured at this point to be fair and Lindelof is is not an upgrade um, as much as I don't overly rate Maguire. Um, Lindelof is worse. Um, and I, I think it was Lindelof and Varane and they were maybe 40 or 50 yards apart and that was it. The, the, the fullbacks had gone up the pitch and it was just, it looked like, you're right, like Steve, that there, there was no tactical... Nice. There was, and it actually panned to Solskjaer and Carrick after. After, um, I think I don't know who it was. Missed a chance. It was Watkins maybe, um, and it panned to them, and it was just the two of them stirring into space. No, right. Let's get up off the bench here and you know sort these lads out, and and it's as if they didn't know what to tell them because they don't know. They're not experienced in it. They, the, um. They don't have that history of, of you know, um, picking a picking a good side, and, and I, I think that's um, a really uh, important point as well. See, when one thing happens to United, e.g., they get a man sent off, or um, you know, a, a player gets injured. Like, like now they're unlucky with two players getting injured, but that's that's it for Solskjaer. I think he loses all control. He, he yeah. doesn't know how to adjust and, and he that's why he hates making subs because I don't think he knows what impact they can have because he doesn't know what to tell them. I really get that sense and you know I think yeah, the sooner the better he goes for United um, but because I think the other teams would, would be fearing United with a half decent manager in charge because the squad is it, on paper and with a bit of organisation, is um, is a challenger, without a doubt, and a very strong challenger. And I don't think we're seeing that on the show, sir. Yeah, it's it, you're, there's, that's absolutely one hundred percent correct. I think every single part of it, and it, there's 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 barely a plan A, and once plan A is is gone, there's nothing. There's no way to react. Like how I can't think of a single in-game coaching decision that Solskjaer has made that's won a game for United I honestly can't think of one and that's damning after what like how long he's been in charge Um, like you just you look at him sometimes on the bench and it's that yeah you're right it's that vacant stare into space yeah. and it's almost like he's thinking what he's going to ask Alex Ferguson after the game like or how goes, yeah or, or how he's going to excuse himself yeah like so yeah. it's just look at least Rizzo's Theory <laughs> held true this weekend, and that's the only good thing to come out of it all. So, and uh, on Rezo, 
um, I won't say what exactly he did send me, but he he sent me evidence of how real this thing is, <laughs> and it's it is absolutely wild, wild how real <laughs> this uh thing. We talked about it on TNB. I um, mean, myself and Johnny last week, folks. If you didn't hear it, uh, our, our our greatest listener of all time, Rizo. Um, has a theory going that any time the Raiders win, Manchester United will lose, and any time Manchester United win, the Raiders will lose, and vice versa. And this has been going on now for nearly two seasons, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and he obviously is a he's a genius of a boy anyway, and he knows how to work numbers. And uh, he has shown me evidence, and it is an actual real thing. I uh, my mind was absolutely blown, <laughs> blown. By the the thing, like, um. So, yes, the good cons the consolation for us, Stephen, being Raiders fans, because you bullied me into it, is that uh, obviously we knew then the Raiders were going to win. So that was nice. They went three and zero. So, um, consolation there. Uh, we, we'll move on, uh, because we, we have digested a lot in Manchester United this week and, and give Steve his therapy session. Brenton, it's your turn. Um, tells you really poor on Saturday, sir. Yeah, I think that was, um, well, I was going to say that's the worst. That's the whole story, but it's not really the whole story. Yeah, it, it, I think he wasn't helped with a few injuries. Um, and I don't think he was. (laughs) Well, Mason Mount is, is bigger than anyone. Um, but yeah, I I think, um, he, he also wasn't helped by the, uh, by how well a midfield three worked against Tottenham in the second half, um, because he he hasn't yet played a midfield three against Man City in the three previous games that that Chelsea beat them last season, and he reverted to that uh, again because it worked so well against Spurs, and I think Pat knew he was going to do that because of of how well it did work, and he counteracted it. He pushed. Um, Everyone basically, uh, right into the Chelsea half, didn't give them a, an inch. Uh, Chelsea couldn't get out. There was a massive gap between, um, Werner and Lukaku and the rest of the team. There was a void in midfield because basically nobody was, um, traveling out with the ball. Yeah, and that's what I mean about Mount. Um, you know, yes, he hasn't had the, uh, a great few games. Um, but, he is one who will sort of mix it in midfield, but then he'll progress and he'll um, move it on to the forwards and he'll be that sort of link. Um, and I think Havertz can do that too. Um, but because there was a midfield three, somebody was sacrificed and it was Havertz and um, it didn't work. Um, but on the other hand, Man City were, were as good as I've seen them in a, in a long time. Um Possibly from the last time they beat Chelsea, um, and their game plan just worked, and, and Chelsea's didn't. Uh, you know, I was I was saying before the game that Gabriel Jesus um, wouldn't be, you know, somebody I would rate that highly in that City team. In fact, uh, you know, he wouldn't be a starter in my eyes, but. I thought he was good, albeit up against Alonso, who you know looked back to his to his worst um, in terms of defending and his old self. Yeah, yeah, maybe an opportunity for Ben Chilwell to get back in there. Um, but yeah, not nothing really worked, um, and I think the you know Timo Werner actually when he did get the ball was quite good. I thought. Um, I thought he was Chelsea's people. best player. Yeah, he had a few flashes, um, and that's kind of the one. The other positive, I was going to say that's the one positive. The other positive was that, um, Edward Mendy and Nets, I think he, you know, he kind of stopped it from being embarrassing. He made a couple of brilliant saves, um, could have been 3 4 0, to be honest, to Man City. Um, but yeah, it's, um, listen, you know, we're a point off top. I think we'd have taken that after the running games that Chelsea have had at the start of the season. They've had some good yeah. results. Um, and, you know, they've, you know, their next five games, um, on paper anyway, are, are relatively, um, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, mediocre compared to the start that they've had. 
just on that as well, the Chelsea they are looking pretty decent in the table after the run of games they've had. But there has been some games where they haven't been like we watched the Villa game for instance together and that first half Villa could have been two or three up mm. before Lukaku puts them to bed. Um Zenz and Petersburg, they had a couple of great chances to go level and Chelsea got through so there has been some stuttering moments and then I think just it all sort of came together on Saturday morning for them against it. They said he did own them one, but against against the city side. So, is there a worry at all there? Possibly that for you, if Lukaku isn't fair and if he isn't able to get you the goals, that you might come up a little bit short. Or was it, as you said, maybe it's the case of the the injuries and different things like that? There's always a worry. I think. Um, I think fans of the, of their own teams will always have a worry that something doesn't click or somebody doesn't score or um whatever it is but i think the positive is that you know they they haven't been playing particularly well and they've still been winning um <clears throat> and they've still been getting the results and you know i think with the with the amount of talent and the the know-how uh, you know been talking about Solskjaer not really having that know-how but the know-how that Tuchel's had um, you know, over the last eight, nine, ten months, um, at Chelsea, it's gonna click, you know, at some point with with Lukaku's goals and um, the, how strong the defense is. Um, another positive, sorry, I didn't mention it earlier as well, was Ruben off to cheek him off the bench and was very, very good as well. I think I saw a crazy stat that he he won more ground duels than Jorginho and Kante in the fourteen minutes he was on the pitch compared to the. Yeah, seventy, eighty odd minutes they were on the pitch, and to win more ground duels than Kante alone is impressive. But to do it, you know, <laughs> versus both of them, um, you know, we've seen seen him in the last couple of games in a, a slightly deeper role, which he wouldn't um, really have ever played at uh, for Chelsea. Um, don't know if he did it for Palace, but he's always been a more forward-thinking midfielder. Um, but he's quick and he's strong and. He has an eye for a pass. You know, he could be one who could provide that link. Um, and it wouldn't overly shock me to see him playing, uh, maybe not against Juventus, but possibly against Southampton at the weekend, um, if Chelsea are sort of struggling in that area. So he was a positive too. <clears throat> There's always a worry that it's not going to click, but I, I just don't think it, it clicked. You know, so well last year, and the only thing that's missing was um, was a goal scorer. And I, I can't see Lukaku not firing at least twenty goals this season. It's just he's just too good, and I don't know if that's best, but I think that's kind of what everyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely that. That would be my my word. I know Chelsea. This might sound mad. And apologies for constantly sniffing on the podcast, folks. Actually, not even apologizing, Rudy's. Um, I know they're 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 reigning European champions and and they have Thomas Tuchel at the helm, but just when when Lukaku isn't firing, Timo Werner isn't like yet. It might it might click, it might spark. Havertz had an and he had a great goal against Liverpool. He's had a bit of an indifferent start too, so that would have been my worry. It's the same thing with Man City. You could say that um. You know, with Gabriel Jesus, I know he he scored the weekend. But do they have that goal scorer? Pep was talking about before the match. They don't have the number nine, blah blah blah. So I think that's why, like, as people maybe think one team's going to run away with it or one team's going to be dominant. I think even though Manchester United have had poor run of form, even though they're played at the weekend, Chelsea were beat. These four teams are going to chase each other all season. I think I think it's going to be quite level. So it's hard to really call, in my opinion, who I think will come out at the end of the season and. Even as we move on, Liverpool at the weekend like showed some vulnerabilities at the back for a change, which was absolutely wild. I think that's the first time I can remember uh, Van Dijk looking a bit worried. Ivan Tony, I don't know what you two thought, but Ivan Tony was just superb against him. I really, I actually, in a sick way, really enjoyed it. <laughs> you really enjoyed it because Tony is probably going to be playing for Liverpool within three years. <laughs> well, to say, yeah. Well. Yeah, well, well, there is, there is obviously that, but I did, I did say on 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 TMB, I was looking forward to seeing this matchup, and there's something about like I, I love Raúl Jiménez, and obviously he scored again at the weekend. Finally, got his got his glove come back from an injury, which is amazing. 
something about Tony as well. Like, even the goalie score that was um, that was ruled offside. What a finish! Yeah. He's so nonchalant, both far <laughs> past Allison. He was he was brilliant the whole game. The two of them up front were brilliant the whole game. I was really really impressed uh, with Brentford. Yeah, Liverpool missed a couple of really good chances. Um, I don't go with the fact that Liverpool should have won the game. I don't. If another team scores three goals, I don't really know if you can claim to have, should have won this game. I think that's a bit mad. But I think Brentford were superb. Uh, class atmosphere too, barring the dickhead singing. That chant, um, you should never sing about poverty, really. It's not really a good sign of your, your human nature, your person. But um, apart from that, there, it's sounding really clear. Thomas Frank had a team set up brilliantly. What did you make of that, Brenton? What did you make of Liverpool and Brentford and Saturday night? And did you see possibly a, a bit of a weakness in that Liverpool defence? Or did you think it was a case of Brentford just offered at home and it, it was just a cracking game of football? It was a bit of both, I think. I think... Um <laughs> it was one that I was considering not watching. Um, uh, I had the had the Ryder Cup lined up, but it it sucked me in. Um, Brentford, I've been so impressed with their start to the season. Um, they're a really good team to watch, actually. Um, uh, they're, you know, from their previous games, it looked like they're big and strong, and they're. I think they'll stay in this league for a start. Um, because you know their previous games, they have been defensively solid, and um, I think they've they've only conceded they haven't conceded that many goals. I, I don't know what the number is, but um, they can play football too. You know, Tony and I'm not going to pronounce it right, Mbumo or or something like that. Apologies for that um, massacre, but. Uh, they're really, uh, really, yeah, um, yeah. They're really intelligent together. Like they, they know each other's game, um, and it's it's so weird with Tony. Like early, he's it's like he floats. Uh, uh, you know, he 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 gets up there, and it's as if he's all the time in the world with his head to nearly picks out passes a lot of the time with his head. Um, and it's it's different, so it's great to watch. Um, but he knows where Mbumo is all the time. Um, I can't remember the match uh, who they were playing, but there was a ball he put across the box um, for Mbumo to tap in, and I think he played it with. You know, he sort of bent it round uh, one of the defenders st- straight onto his toe, um, and he's not. Overly for for you know big number nine, he's not overly selfish. Um, he's always his head's always on a swivel. I think he can get a whole lot better as well. Uh, big and strong, and he did give <clears throat> he did give the Liverpool defence um something to worry about. I think a, a few of them did. Um, Sergi Canos as well. I thought he had a great game. Um, and the team was. Was set up brilliantly. I think Brentford, you know, they probably realised that Liverpool just had goals in them and that they needed to slightly change their approach and, and you know, be a bit braver uh, going forward. And um, they certainly were. They piled um, they piled people into the boxes for um, for set pieces and you know the I can't remember if it was the second goal was it the header that was just on the line. Um, got up yep. really well. I think in front of Van Dijk, which which I had to look back at when it happened. Um, but really good game. Um, I don't know if would you be slightly? Do you think Liverpool kind of underestimated the attacking threat of Brentford because they probably knew they would be quite hard to kind of break down, and they maybe stepped up a bit too far, and um, maybe the wing backs. You know, could have sat a wee bit deeper. No, I I think it's uh, I don't think they underestimated them because Klopp talked them up massively during the week, um, and how impressed he's been with Brentford, um, and what Thomas Frank's been doing. I I think it was a case of uh, just Brentford were were excellent at times, and and the third goal, um, where Matip 
And Mal- Joe Mallis from a really good this season. Com- uh, completely leaves Trent Alexander on, on his own. He actually has three defenders trying to worry about. Which, like, it's just never a good thing to have one defender against three attackers. Uh, was really poor. The midfield sort of did sort of kind of slack off a little bit as well. I thought the Curtis Jones substitution was the wrong one, but uh, Jurgen Klopp's won the league in the Champions League, so I'll not argue with him. Um, but I don't think it was a case of unrest. I just think it was a case of Brentford on a Saturday night under the lights were just excellent and caused Liverpool real problems, and and they will cause a lot of teams problems going forward. I, I, I think even Van Dijk said afterwards how much it was a tough game straight away when he came out and said it in his post, and then. Uh, talking about Tony as well, like he, he, I was talking about him, him and Boyle were just acting up front, and she said, "Sorry, Canos." Um, the fact the German in midfield, I can't remember his second name scored. He was acting too. David Raya, the goalkeeper, had some brilliant saves. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's just sometimes I wouldn't be. I know uh, we've talked enough about fans, bit on meltdowns. I know certain fans have a meltdowns about things. Because of Brentford result, for me, it was just like, it was a brilliant game of football. These things happen. We've saw so many of these games on the Jurgen Klopp, where sometimes the game just goes into utter chaos. You have to embrace it. And I just thought it was a great, great game. And I, I'm I'm glad we don't have to play them again at Brentford until possibly next season, because that was utter um, stroke city the whole 90 minutes. I think, yeah. sorry, I think Liverpool fans are being... Very interesting how they're talking about this game, I think. Um, there's a lot of deflection by talking about how great Brentford were. Uh, but I think it's the poorest coaching performance I've seen from Klopp. It was fairly obvious what was going to happen early on, that they were going to attack the space in behind the full-backs. And he never really countered that. Um, I also think it's worth noting that the last five goals Liverpool have conceded have all come down Trent Alexander and Arnold's side. So much for him being the rest, best right back in the world. Um, but, and that's not, that's honestly, I, I don't agree, I don't agree with Shearer uh, and that analysis that like all teams are going to go against his height because he's been five foot seven his entire adult life. Um, if it was a weakness that teams would have exploited it before now, I don't think it's that. I just think, he has become so used to Virgil van Dijk being so good behind him that it's just that he's a little bit too cavalier in attack. Um, and he wasn't helped by Matip on, on that goal that you mentioned earlier on either. Like, But I felt that if Liverpool... I thought Liverpool were poor up front as well. I know it's which is weird to say about a team that scored three goals, but I saw someone... If Liverpool had a scored with the accuracy or with the consistency of Brentford, they would have scored eight goals in that game. Um, and there, there's something, I don't know what it is. I, I, there's something about Liverpool this season. There's just a lack of urgency, a lack of, I hate to say desire because they're professionals and they're going to go out and do their job, but something feels a little off. And you know, don't get me wrong, their, their little off is still better than probably all but two other teams in the league so it's it's not a bad level to be at but there's something just doesn't feel doesn't feel right and like you you, you got a sense of it in the Milan game as well in the Champions League even though they came out on top of that like there's a lot blown up about this Milan game when there was only really seven minutes where Milan scored and then the rest of the game yeah, but after even though it was offside, I knew that after the offside goal though after the offside goal at the start of the second half Liverpool just took over the game Milan did nothing but you can lose the game in seven minutes. You know that as well as I do. <laughs> like, not, not at the start of the second, not at the end of the first half, and then Liverpool came back into it and won the game. Nobody seems to want to mention that, though. They're just like, God, Liverpool were bad for seven minutes. No, I think... back in and won that this, game. This is, this, is, this is... That is exactly then, the conversation. You were saying it. about the urgency, but they scored, they've scored three goals in their last, what, four or five games? Six games, actually. But you shouldn't have to score three goals to... They didn't need to score adventures. three goals... You shouldn't have to that's, score that's three the first time they've had to do that, though. <laughs> well, well, but you haven't played at Brentford yet, though, so we'll come back to this when United go to Brentford. United, United like love playing a team like Brentford. That's the problem. Like playing a team like Brentford isn't the issue with United, as we, we talked about. I'm just think I just think Liverpool fans are talking themselves around what's clearly an issue at the club, um, and it's the top it, of the league. I I said they're when they're off pace they're still better than all but two clubs in the league. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying 
that there's something no, but th- not this right seems there. To all, this, Liverpool always seem to get labelled with this if something like this happens. There seems to always people are like, no, there's something wrong with that. Or, whereas, like, my reason for the whole thing was I thought Brentford were superb on the night. It was a great game of football. And, that's, and like Liverpool did have some defensive issues. But I don't like, I don't want to talk about just that and take it away from the fact Brentford for excellent. I don't know if it's a case of Liverpool fans trying to deflect. There's been plenty of them come out. Well, me and you know one that maybe wasn't, but there's been plenty of them have come out and said actually that wasn't great, that didn't look great, but also Brentford Frex. I think that's a fair thing to do rather than focus on what you might think is a negative, though. I just think there's more going on than Liverpool fans are willing to admit. That's all I'm saying. What do you What do you think's going on? I think Cole. I think Klopp. I think he's. His passion maybe isn't at the levels, or his interest isn't at the levels that it was up to this season, and it hasn't been really since what sadly happened to his to his mom last year. Feels yeah. like he's taken, and look, he's dead right. Like football is not important when it comes to things like that. But I think it's worth discussing that 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 the level of performance, like your goalkeeper. Had to score a goal for you to have a successful season last season. Like it, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's something like, and again, I don't, I mean, it's not a criticism because I think your, your, your second best is, be- is so good, but it's still worth acknowledging. And it's like Liverpool fans just stick their head in the sand and don't want to discuss that it's potentially an issue. And even the fact that he's got an end date in mind, I've, I've been there with Alex Ferguson. I know what it's like when your 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 manager has decided that there's going to be a time and he knows when he's going to hang up his boots or, or move on. Like it it is different. Things get different. Players don't respond because they know that maybe in a season and a half's time that guy's not going to be their boss. So do they have to try as hard as they've been trying? It's definitely a thing. Um I still it might not be enough of a thing to cost them a league title or a Champions League. But I still think it is something that it it just feels like it. They probably people will hear me saying this and they'll think I'm trolling. But it's genuinely not like from a from a. I just think it's fascinating that the reaction of Liverpool fans is has been to talk about the other team, to talk about Brentford, rather than look at what again I thought was tops the, the worst coaching performance I've seen from him in, in in a while like because he it was fairly obvious after about 15 minutes or so like what Brentford's plan of attack was and there was just no adjustment and he's usually so good at that do you not remember the Bo- Bournemouth game when Aki scored or the Watford game when we won the league the Wat- it was exactly the same thing I don't remember the Watford one the Bournemouth one remember Saar tortured Dejan yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovren. Admittedly, oh, okay. Finn could torture Dejan on but Star <laughs> tortured Dejan on Yeah, it's the same thing. It's that 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 Brentford game felt like the Watford game. He had two games actually against Watford where he he got bamboozled by what what was going on with 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 the, the opposing team at the time. Hmm. I don't think it's a case of like I don't think Klopp's losing his. Passion. I don't. I don't know if he can do that, but I, I would understand if he felt like I just want to be at home because obviously what he's went through with his mother, and he's probably he, he'd be grieving still. Like it's 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 totally natural. And <laughs> Allison having to score a goal, as you said, was the, was the reason we got third. Remember, we finished third last year. We finished six points off uh, Manchester United, and we had no senior centre halves for months. So, but like, how, that's not me deflecting. That's me saying, hang on, that was actually dead on in the top four when we were missing arguably our best player. Oh, he's no doubt the whole your, season. Yeah. He's no doubt your best player. Like I mean, like even going back to the game, like the one on one with Tony, there's not another centre half in the league that it was Tony on that play. It was the only time. It was the only time he got the better of Tony. I thought. Yeah, it was, but it was still a phenomenal piece of defending. It was a phenomenal piece. Yeah. Of um, I like look. I, I keep saying it like. <laughs> You, it's not. It's not bad. It just feels like that. There's something. If if it was any other club, I feel like the fans would be maybe a bit more honest with themselves that it's not quite where it should be. That's all. But, uh, I think it's harder to do that when you're top of the league, Stephen. 
Yeah, but you know like I mean? the results don't necessarily always tell the whole thing. Like they they're all that matters at the end of the year, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Yeah, but when you've been winning games three 0 and I don't I don't know I don't know I I I'm not going to get annoyed unless they fall out of the, the the top of the league and fall down top four. Certainly not. Like while they stay at the top of the league, I'm going to be happy enough with whatever's going on. To be honest. I think the the um they have a bit of a man eye problem still. Um I think he I don't think it's um sustainable for him to keep missing chances. And I I honestly don't think I'm overreacting to that like um I think he's he's had like the joint most um, shots in the Premier League and he's like not in the top 10 for goals scored so I, I think I don't know whether Firmino comes back in and they play Jota and Mane or Jota and Salah um, with him is, is Firmino fit now? Yeah it is like am I are you seeing that as well or because oh, every God, he's absolutely space jammed. Every game he seems to miss three big chances. I would say at least, and um, you know it's kind of probably being uh, papered over a wee bit by by Salah by how brilliant he is. Um, it's not being papered over though. You maybe just aren't seeing what's been written or. The conversations that's happening, people are Liverpool fan base is thinking, what is going on with Mane at the minute? Like, he, Paddy's not here tonight, but our uh, WhatsApp group with the three brothers and myself, all Liverpool fans, it's, it's the brunt of our conversation. Yeah, what, no, I don't what mean... has happened to Sadio Mane? Like, what's and and he he's at the point now where um, you're I know this sounds absolutely daft, and I hope he doesn't listen or doesn't listen to this episode anyway. And Mane, apologies, Sadio. <laughs> Where you're thinking, like, uh, he could be replaced. Yeah. Like, who could you replace him with? Which is, like, uh, well, obviously it's Ivan Tony. But you're thinking, like, uh, that's, you know, that's a mad thing, a reaction to come to. Because I don't think, I think in 2019, when Liverpool won the Champions League, he was unlucky not to be included in the Ballon d'Or top three, I thought. I thought Mane was our, he was absolutely superb in that Champions League run, the Bayern Munich games. Uh, he, he was heavily involved in in the Barcelona home win. He 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 was there, like he he led the line. He was brilliant that night. Um, so I thought he was unlucky. I thought he was he was better than the other two for that whole season, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's what I mean. Uh, like we've we've all seen the level he can get to so recently um, that. The way he's playing now and missing chances um, would concern me. Um, and sometimes I get the feeling that, like, Chelsea definitely did it with Lukaku um, against Spurs when, when Werner came on. Lukaku was 100% trying to get Werner a goal. And I think sometimes that works in the opposite way, in that it doesn't look great. Um and the player, if that was me, like if I was Werner or if I was Mane in this situation, but it seems like Salah is like as good as he is, he is a greedy wee get, like, and that's what you have to be have to, to score be goals. Yeah. That's what you have to be, yeah. Um, but there's there was times that even Salah was trying to feed him when it maybe wasn't the right thing to do, just for him to get that goal. I can't remember the match it was where he had probably about fourteen chances. Um, and he eventually scored in like injury time, but um, I don't think it's a great look, and I don't think it's good for the confidence of the player. Um, so it would be, I think, good management to take him out, um, for a few games, get him hungry again, because the talent is there, like, um, and the, you know, Origi could could start, I think, in the Champions League. I think that's a a very real possibility, and maybe even at the weekend, give give Mane a a proper go on the sideline, um, because it's the one thing that I notice from Liverpool from watching them a couple of times now. Um, 
uh, at the start of the season. I don't, you know, yes, I, I really, I don't think Trent is the best defender. Um, no. But I don't think that's, you know, that much of an issue. Um, I think they've they've got good enough defenders around them, and then I wouldn't play them there. Actually, I would I would try and get him in the midfield as soon as possible, yeah. um, because he's still I, I think what, he's still a worth class player. Yeah, but one thing that I will uh, mention that I I don't think is being mentioned by Liverpool fans, um, unless Steve the, the troll here knows. Um, only joking. Knows any Liverpool fans that Mary mentioned that I don't, but I think Klopp changing the, the defence partnership as much as he done mightn't help. I understand if you're doing it for the League Cup, don't get me wrong, I understand that. But he's done it in the league. I think he's changed pairings around. And maybe that hasn't maybe helped as um with what went on on Saturday evening. And all Mane, like as you said, yeah, it's I, I actually think like even from a goal during the week, Minamino looked more assured. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Minamino's second goal was so calm as finish. Like he, he almost took uh, a second to, to just stop and realize, oh, hang on, and just and just finish it. Whereas Mane looked really rash at the minute. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think he would. He, he, I think he would benefit from it, but how he would take it, we've seen some of his reactions at times. I don't know. It goes back to what I was saying though about sometimes the results overshadowed. Like he still got three goals in seven games. Like so, it, yeah. it that papers over what is actually an issue because as Brendan said, like he's number one in terms of shots, but not in the top ten in terms of goals. And I do think you're right. I I don't. He doesn't feel like the sort of player who'd respond well to being dropped either. I don't think. I think he's more a carrot than a stick player. Um. But this is this is kind of what I mean about about Klopp because like we all realise this a huge amount of Liverpool fans realise this. There's endless column inches about Mane being an issue, and he's still getting his game. And it's that. And just, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's just little things like that that like you know maybe he won't react well to being benched, but it's still probably better for the team to take him out of there for a few games. Yeah, I feel um, like Klopp would have done it before. Exactly. Yeah. That's what that that is that's that's exactly it. Like Klopp of two seasons ago, he would not be giving Mane the amount of like leeway he's giving him at the moment, and it's little things like that. And again, it, maybe if you win the league and if you win the Champions League, it doesn't matter. But from a an outsider point of view, and I, like I'm honestly not trying to troll here. Like it is just <laughs> it's no, it is. It's just really interesting to me. No, that, I know, I know, I know. It's really interesting that, like, you know, all the Liverpool fans are talking about Mane and Mane and the problem, and and they are having that conversation. But no one's talking about why Klopp hasn't dropped him. Like, that's what that's the part of the conversation I'm not seeing. And like, Klopp gets and Liverpool, like, we've spoken about their fan base that sometimes they can like the thing about transfers and all that when he clearly knows what he's doing and the club in general know what they're doing when it comes to transfers. Like all that's a nonsense, but that this is the kind of thing that I, I'd love to see a conversation about because I don't see it. Like, and you know, it, it, you can't get all the praise when your team is doing well as a manager, but get none of the grief when there's mistakes made. That's the that's the bit that's just not sitting right with me at the moment. I think on Mane, he wasn't great last year, and Klopp never took him out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's the clock of two years ago would have. Um, yeah. It's it's it is. There's something feels like it's changed there, and it's not that like he he's clearly still extremely passionate about what he does. He's still clearly very very good at what he does, and like it, the ceiling and the floors are so high in in both cases as well. Like it just, and again, I do I do think though I do think if. It, it say say Manny doesn't play, say he doesn't play in the morning, or say Manny picks up a, a, an injury which sort of forces Klopp's hand. I do think though, if a three of Firmino, Jota, and Salah were starting to, to do the business, I do think Klopp would probably look at it and go, okay, well, this will be that then because we've saw with Jota, Jota's come in and hit the ground running. You've talked about him today actually as well in the press conference because Jota used to play for Porto and he's a Porto fan, and he's talking about him how good he's been in. 
how well he's fitted in, and he's and, and he do, he doesn't drop him now. Do you know? So I, I I do think that there I do think he will make that decision. Whether he makes it, I mean, you could say he's made, it's it's too late now, and it's it's going on for too long anyway. Whether he or whatever, but I do think he will come to that conclusion and make that decision. And I think unless Sadio Mane does find his form and does start being Sadio Mane again, then um, we'll see what happens. But. It well, isn't interesting. Well, Tony, so it's fine. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> I, 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 I've been torturing Brenton with tweets and texts that, or pictures that Tony has had where he's been talking to Klopp and where he's, he was tweeting about being his boyhood Liverpool fan. So that would be yes, that would be. And he's only 25. I've been Tony as well, so he's still young. Um, w- before we finish up, we'll have to talk about the North London derby, lads. Do we really? Do we? Yeah, we we, we do because you know, it's Thursday, no? <laughs> Well, we'll just mention the result, and then he can talk about it all on Thursday. Uh, so Arsenal won three one. Uh, there you go. I think he wants us to mention like world class talents. To be honest, it's the best I've seen Arsenal play under uh, uh, for about easily five years. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's probably the best I've seen them play since Wenger stepped down. Um, yeah, it felt like a really well taught out. Like they won that game on the training pitch this week. Do you know what I mean? Like they had Spurs number from the get go. Obviously helped by the fact that Harry Kane has decided to work to rule. Um, <laughs> uh, like look, look, the man is trying to engineer his way out of the club. There's n- there's absolutely no doubt about that. You got to respect it, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, like he, he's clearly not happy with everything that went on. But I think that I shared a tweet in the, the group tonight. Our, our Spurs are the first team to, uh, to go from top of the league after three games to being behind the team that were bottom of the league after three games after six. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, is fairly impressive, uh, on their part. But I would say I like Arsenal have been, so is, is that three wins in a row now in the league? Yep. Yeah. Since Arsblog was on. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think more Arsblog on on the third on the Thursday pod. It's the only way to do it. Like keep this run up. It was. I think it he, was certainly a a great day for Jonathan. He would um, he would sign up for that. I think um, if the results continued. I'll drop him an email here. No. <laughs> um, um, no, but in all seriousness, I agree. I think Arsenal were. Super impressive. Um, I enjoyed watching the Arsenal of old under Wenger, mm. and I enjoyed watching Arsenal um, on Sunday. Arsenal have been piss poor to watch in the last number of years, but that was them at their best. Love Emil Smith-Rowe, love Saka, um, love Tierney. I think they're the types of players that need to be playing week in, week out. Uh, Aubameyang, I don't think will be like that every week, um, but... If you um if you get those lads on the team, I think you're you're on to a winner. Yeah, I think I, I, for Johnny's sake and for this podcast's sake, I, I do hope this is the, the spark. Um, and, and you know what as well, I'm pleased for Aaron Ramsdale. because um, yeah. he got a yeah. lot of stick when he moved, and he got a lot of stick for being in sort of the, in around the England squad, and and I think three of his last. Four teams that he joined had all been relegated, and he was getting a lot of stick for that. And the lad just wanted to prove himself, and he has proved himself. And he, he's a bit of backbone, which that Arsenal team needs. He's a bit of burden. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a super impressive performance. Spurs, um, holy ghost! Talk about poo poo in the bed since you went top of the league. That that is absolutely horrendous. I, if Nuno makes it to Christmas, fair play to him. The, uh, because um, the. DVD of the first three seasons of, or the first three games of the season that we get. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we know what's going to happen. Uh, like, City or PSG are going to get boofed in the Champions League here by Man City. They're going to piss about in the league, and then Poch is going to go back to to North London. That's we know what's going to happen. It, it's it's yeah. very very obvious what's about to happen. So, yeah. Also, um, in all mm-hmm. seriousness, the the. The episode uh, of the Arsenal um, documentary will be class for that one. Will be very good. 
Uh, I'm sure Johnny cannot wait for that. Uh, we were going to touch on as well Brighton possibly going top of the league, but it is currently one nil to Crystal Palace in the Gatwitico, I think somebody called it um, earlier. Because it was very close to Gatwick. <laughs> um, that is very good, isn't it? Um, so and there are Trent. Thanks, Stephen. Trent Alexander Arnold is now injured. Well done to you. Well done, Stephen. Good. It's your fault. Good. Well I done. Be better at the back now without him. <laughs> Stephen, are you forgetting I have your address? <laughs> um, so a fine podcast tonight. Steve managed to get me angry on the podcast for a play um, I heard Brendan laughing during as well. We got there eventually. It's nice to have a bit of an argument and debate in the podcast too. I think it's very healthy. We, uh, myself and Jonathan will be back as always on Thursday. We might have a guest. We might not. I'll try to get that oh. finalised this evening. Um, we may or may not. I'll see what happens. Uh, but get all of our stuff on social media. Just look for the Football Babble. Twitter and Instagram that Brent does very well with. Um, or get on your podcast on any of your podcast apps. Just look for the Football Babble pod. I use Spotify now. Um, Brent and Son got me to see the light and it's very, it's excellent. Um, they don't sponsor us, so I don't know why I said that, but if they want to sponsor us, that'd be cool. Soon uh, to own Arsenal get, though. What? Soon to own Arsenal though. Oh, well, that's true. Um, Brent, what's the Patreon link? Patreon.com forward slash football bubble. Folks, thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will chat these again uh, on Thursday night and the two lads will see us again next week. Good luck. Adios. Cronky in. <laughs> <laughs>